So we have a few questions and hopefully this will be of use to everyone. Well, some of you more than just the questioner. You said to not let attention linger on afflictive states as it falls on chitta. So how to relate to these states? Confused. So I would say not to let attention linger on afflictive states as they fall on chitta. It's the afflictive states that are the problem, not the attention. So to linger means to, um, as afflictive um, triggers really, afflictive perceptions, afflictive pinpricks, afflictive touches. Oh, touch the jitta before it really lingers on that and it starts to concoct a state. But the first beginning of the state is this sense of a something's recognized or or that's that or I'm this or they're that you know and then there's a kind of a little trigger feeling pleasant or unpleasant you know and then the state arises state of well you know whatever it is agitation uh, comparisons I'm this they're that I'm not as good as she's better than I'm better than how is that you know quite or fluster of some kind, and, uh, and naturally, then then tendency is the attention to go into that and start trying to sort it out or, or operate from that basis. And the operation is called intention, inclination. So attention lands and lingers, a state arises, and then some kind of volition. It occurs in the mind, make more, make less, change it, fix it, stop it, uh, you know, go this way, go that way. But then the starting point, the platform for that is an afflictive perception, okay, something irritating, um, something disappointing, uh, worrying. Mm. So whatever gets launched from an afflictive platform is going to be have be afflictive. That's where it came from. It may be trying to compensate the affliction. It may be, well, you know, that's what she says, but I don't care. I'm yeah, you know, sort of a little bit aggressive, or oh, they think that of me, so I'd better do this. So fear bound, or something like that, or that's wrong. It shouldn't be this way. And complaining. So we're, we're launching from a, um, an afflictive platform. So that's what happens if your attention lingers on it. Now perhaps that's already happens. You are in an afflictive state of anxiety or disappointment or something like that. Well then you want to notice that and try to uh, pause the story. How do you pause the story? Well maybe you Feel your body, fiddle your fingers, take an out breath, Just wait, wait, wait. The story's probably got some momentum in it. So you want to really come out of the mind base 
the thinking mind, which is creating images and and narrative, uh, and then all propelled by emotions. And so he says, well, we, what we can do is we can feel hands, feet, face, and relax down your back. Okay, here we are. Yeah. And yeah, I'm feeling really quite annoyed. Mm. Yeah, but now at least you're witnessing it rather than in it. You're with it rather than in it. And then what, what is this annoyed experience for example, um, so maybe in my face, my head, my chest. What's helpful for this is to expand a little, give it some room, take the pressure off. And once we can do that, we might then find a base for a response to that afflictive state. Responses will always come with some degree of uh, acceptance, goodwill, equanimity, compassion, you know, that'll be, that'll be part of it, be the motivation will not be of, of um, thinking about it, it's more like an emotional response, you know, wow this feels really uncomfortable, oh, just hold it together here. Let's just be with this in a kindly way. And that tends to change the drive of the volition. It's no longer so surging. You may feel it still bubbling and pushing. But at least we've got a handle on it. Goodwill. And then what's this based upon? Then you can begin investigation. What, what brought this up? What compounds it? Well, uh, several things. One is the experience of me being, you know, threatened or annoyed or let down. Mm. That's one of them. Big one. Mm. And then there's the uh, perception that's not fair, that's not right, it shouldn't be that way. That's the perception. Dissonant, dissonant perception. You know, so let's just get the me in that to be accepted for what she or he is, okay, she's really pretty seething or fed up, okay, a little bit more of that metta karuna, kindness, compassion, everybody gets this, it may seem like me, it speaks like me, my voice, but actually everybody who gets fed up, annoyed, feels like this. It's, it's a form, not actually a unique identity. And you may be familiar form. Okay, so there's that. Let's return again to the perception. It's not fair, it's not right. Okay, so well, what's, what's that got to do with me, really? Did you create it? Did you say, or is it just something that uh, whatever triggered that? Say somebody's doing something silly. They're doing something silly. 
you know, or offensive. Are you doing anything silly or offensive? No? Well, that's good, isn't it? That's theirs then. That's not yours, that's theirs. Your bit is getting upset about it all. Understandable. I do it for exactly the same way. But when it comes down to it, their actions are their actions. Right? Yeah. You know, for example, if it's a person, I can feel pretty upset because, you know, you know, this is not the proper way to behave. If I have a tree fall down in my backyard, so we've had several trees get blown over, which I didn't want to have happen. They were lovely trees. They got blown over by the wind and the roots ripping up. And then you've got to get someone in to saw the thing up which costs plenty of money and you've got a big ugly hole in the ground that's not an agreeable perception but I don't say stupid tree how dare you <laughs> that's that's the trees thing mm. yeah even I would imagine I wouldn't say if a tree fell on me but yeah, I wouldn't be there to speak about it but if uh, you know bird poops on my head <laughs> I might feel a bit disappointed, you know, but at the same time, that's that's the bird's business, isn't it? You know, I just got to be more careful where I walk. But when it's another human being, I think that's downright disgusting. <laughs> Somebody who poops on my head. <laughs> that's really outrageous. That's out, you know, I'd never, because we sort of imagine there's a lot more inference with another human being that. That they should be like me, <laughs> and they're not. <laughs> you know. So we look at, you know, how should it be? How should it be? Um, well, greed is greed, hatred is hatred, aversion is aversion. So, if people reverse aversion, their aversion is doing what aversion does, which is be an averse, right? acting perfectly well so it seems sometimes there's a lot of people who've been hired <laughs> to, to be annoying <laughs> they're being annoying they're good at being annoying <laughs> they turn up at the wrong the wrong well, I don't want them to and they do their annoying thing they're perfect at it <laughs> what's it going to do with me <laughs> So just you don't have to leap up and get involved with it. Now, if they're if they're saying something about you that you think, well, actually, she's got a point there. I understand why she's annoyed. That was a stupid thing to do. I've just done. Okay, and I say, oh well, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm, you know, right? Uh, give me a clue as to what I can, how I can help out. You know, I can change it. Sorry about that. If I made a mistake, I was only uninformed or whatever. And you don't get these afflictive, defensive, agitated, guilty states. Let's just get over it. Everybody messes up. Um, so it's this. Then you don't get these, you know, afflictive um, proliferations going on. So essentially, the you know the afflictive platform is. Um, 
around there when we sort of take up a stand and identify claim the phenomenon you don't get annoyed you don't get angry if you don't take the other person's stuff in it's when you pick it up and take it in and we're so used to doing that we don't realize we don't have to take it in we don't have to shut it out either we can just be open and stable and she's getting pretty angry Mm, that must be difficult yeah i get like that Mm. rather than oh no how dare you kind of thing I mean, that's a, obviously I can't go with every incident and every nuance of human behaviour, but that's that's the gist of it. And if your attention lingers, then you know you get into what's called proliferation, where the whole scenarios of I've always been this way and they shouldn't da 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 da, da goes on, and then it's turbulent, and we don't find a, a resolution of that. If your attention doesn't linger in it, but instead shifts to back to something that gives you a centre, stability, and then you check the volition that would otherwise come storming out, and then you start to review with wise attention, deep attention, proper attention, yonisomanisikara, and start opening the topic out. Now this can seem like a long process when I've talked about it, can be, it can be actually a lot quicker than that. Uh, sometimes it, it, when you get more adept at it. And of course, you know, when there's nobody else around and you're sitting there and you just tumble into an afflictive state, there's nobody else is doing it to you right now. You're just revisiting the past or something. Um, then maybe, you know, you, you get, whoops. Okay, what's happening? I'm inventing right now. I'm regurgitating the past you know that's what's happening because it hasn't been resolved regurgitating old past memories which is a very common experience everybody's doing it a lot of the questions that i experience are just about this i do the same thing unresolved stuff then it's the time to unresolved stuff that's your meditation it's not getting in the way of your meditation it is your meditation Okay, how is this? Can I stop dismissing it, proliferating around it, blaming myself for it, getting to some seizure around it? Just stable. Is there a stable place? As I keep saying, you generally use the body as a stable place, as a place to get out of the mind. You can, of course, as I was saying, using the visual focus or use chanting. So something that takes you out of the mind consciousness, right, which is the one that's all snarled up and doesn't have any space in it, You're, you are in there, you want to get somewhere you get some space around it, the visual consciousness provides space, body consciousness provides ground, feeling grounded, okay, then this is this sense of guilt, regret, unresolved irritation or fear, Hey, how is that? Can I just accept the presence of that? Hmm. At least, on the, particularly if you let go of the storyline and just go to the raw emotion, 
it helps less mind involved in just heart less stories less proliferation feel the emotion and emotion is not just images and stories it's also energies running jumping and stabilize the energy and review the perception that triggered it yeah, one has done wrong one has made a mistake one has had wrong done to one one has been hurt this is where there is no you can't uh, overestimate the uh, the power and the need for goodwill love compassion equanimity and it's those that remove the sting not the person person may be jumping up and down trying to fix it getting intense but if the person doesn't do it it's these dumber qualities that uh, do the work and that's a long answer but i think it's uh, the meaning of this that you've touched upon really is so, so this afflictive mental states affect everybody so it's worth going into some detail So I think the next question is pretty much the same. During meditation, past unwholesome acts may arise as a thought. Well, exactly. So stop, thought, check the thought, uh, feel the feeling and the emotion. Ask yourself what's the emotion behind this thought. If you can't get an immediate word, you could say fiery or surging or lumpy or grinding, whatever it feels like. And then how is that in the body? Return to the body. See if you can find a part of your body that's more comfortable. Whole body. Breathing. So this gives you some, some perspective on it. And... Uh, what's needed could be just needs to be heard it could be that uh, you need to listen more closely or it could be it just disappears once you do that and if it's something where you inquire into uh, past wrong deeds or things that have happened to you okay that's that and do the learning do the learning that's that's the error that's the mistake that's the message somebody else's mistake ah you've learned something you know or if it's craving you learn something about craving the unsatiable nature of it so you're not inclined to keep going with that because it's never going to get fulfilled in it's extremely uncomfortable craving so Moving down, how can I feel safety in my brown body where there is external racism? Um, well, uh, you know, clearly I don't have a brown body, so I can only suggest. Um, I imagine the 
racism is such an ongoing topic of discussion that there must be people who really have studied and learnt a lot about this but uh, certainly having other people of colour around you must provide some sense of solidarity, support but safety in general is um, well the only safety for any of us really is the still stable center and if you're coming into into that so you know particularly if you're out in a streets it's obviously confusing there's random input but you keep your keep your senses collected so you're not going out it's a matter of not being tense or tight but just what you need to look at see so you don't lose touch with your stable center which is not a body at all really so it's that it's not a person stable center like an axis and then around that the general atmosphere <laughs> has to be one of the protection which is not paranoid it's just there's something of value here this is a valuable unique sacred if you like this embodiment yeah it's pretty marvelous really so let's just you know be with that with a sense of care and um if afflictive perceptions come this way from other people then you need to you know that's that's his that's hers that's theirs you know and i'm this i'm not an object of other people's attention i'm not the object of your attention I'm not the object of your attention. You have an object in your mind, which is not me. What you're talking about, thinking about, looking at, is some is your idea, your impression. That's yours, and I don't need or wish to pick that up. To be this, I'm in this. And although this is verbal, particularly if you practice as safety as a meditation, as I've suggested and several times, I think when you sit, you first practice this is to establish safety. And for many people, they think safety. Well, of course, I'm safe. It's fine. That's <laughs> not necessarily the case for everyone. Because although we, you know, the door is closed and it's nobody bothering me, we still have those, you know, reflex patterns in in my body of feeling unwelcome, because that's been happening to me for quite a lot. So it's become kind of established. I have been made unwelcome, and this is the most. It's perhaps the root, the most common root of all human 
emotional suffering is rejection from other humans. Rejection, blaming, you're out, you're not good enough, you don't count, you're not welcome, you're inferior. Uh, and so we, any of us get that, and if you're in a racist situation, you, be, you get that a lot. Mm -hmm. situation. So that gets printed on your circuits. Right. So when you're sitting quietly on your own, it's good to acknowledge that and to the degree to which it's there and even if everything's fine on a visual level, but we don't live on the visual level. I mean, we can do, but most of us, we're living on a heart level, and the heart is still carrying those perceptions, those impressions of being unwelcome. And so we need to encourage it to be within a safe body. And again, this is pretty charged, because if it's the nature of your body that's made you feel unsafe, you've got to reclaim it. Uh, to the felt body it's not what you other people see what you see is not what this body is this body is this warm organic dynamic breathing sentient sensitive gift you know sitting here you know and so you come into the real presence of the body's body not other people's opinions about your body, not the, the perceptions of your body, but the body as this sensitive subject, not an object at all. And as I feel around my waist, my belly, I feel right in front the space, either side the space, the space around the ground beneath, space around the ground beneath. ground beneath is given, it doesn't fall away. I can claim as much. Body takes exactly what it needs, really resting there. Space around is given, I don't have to deserve it, be good, be nice, look any, you know, be anything. The space is completely open, <laughs> whatever, you know, and to get the feeling for that, get the body to feel that and relax into that. Uh, this is something you can't, I don't think you can do it on an intellectual level, though I'm using words. You have to encourage the body through its own sensitivity to fully experience safety. And you pick up that. When the body fully feels that, let the heart live in that. Hmm. Then when the heart lives in that, it begins to melt the unsafety, the unwelcome. This should be done repeatedly because these um, programs, embedded programs of not welcome, not right, not good enough, and so on, you know, they, they sort of drift back again. So you, you've got to kind of melt it and then the likelihood it will come up again. You just do it repeatedly till you know 
that territory, you know, that, that, that journey. Uh, and it, depending, it may be the case, this is something that you've got to practice pretty regularly to get some of these deeply embedded um, um, perceptions uh, out, or relinquish them. Mm. But you're not an object, you're not somebody else's body, you're not what people look at, that's up to them. You don't have to make it anything that's pleasing or agreeable for them. You don't have to make it anything that they want or like, it's entirely up to them. You be your own body internally, feel it, live it, enjoy it and come from that. Uh, um, that would be my my suggestion and uh, uh, I really hope that there's something there that's helpful for you. Thank you. Next one. When you spoke of Jitta Sankara that moves karmically, is that Chaitana specifically? Yes. So for those people who wonder what, what this words mean, Jitta Sankara, Sankara is the kind of activity, activ activations of the heart. So roughly speaking, emotions, impulses, intentions, that kind of ooh, jump, and that moves karmically, that moves in accordance with um, inherited patterns or inherited trajectories, okay? So, you know, that which we see something desirable, the Jitta Sankara, the, the, the activation all jumps up. You know, well, that's desirable. You know? And that jumping up is called chetana, which means impulse, intention, inclination. And we see something desirable. Therefore, it moves karmically. Now, the interesting thing, of course, is what we find desirable itself is a result of karma. In other words, we get perceptions established. That's a desirable object, you know, like a car or something, or a set of clothes. That's great, really nice. So you get that printed, so that when you see that car, suit of clothes, you go, oh, wow, what a great one of those. Yeah. So your chitana jumps up, because the perception is, this is glorious, wonderful, silky, lustrous, conducive to style, speed, performance, attractive, all those glowing features, jong, into the chitta, chitta jumps up. Now, actually, that message is is implanted. It's a source of karma. So you can also kind of turn it the other way. Say, okay, that car, which looks so wonderful, costs three hundred thousand pounds. It's actually just a heap of metal, which will rust. Um, and it's you know rusty metal with bits of plastic and glass stuck on it, which is also true. Suddenly it's not so attractive anymore. Imagine it wrecked. Imagine it in 20 years' time when its, when it's engine's falling apart. Same thing with a suit of clothes. Yeah, this year's fashion looks great, but five years later you think, how do people ever wear that? You know, what's it like when it's got patches and holes in it? What's it like when the glow has gone out of it? And the nature of it is that that's what's going to happen. It will no longer be attractive. So, you know, then this, this is very important to recognize about Chaitana 
uh, volition, it always jumps out to not to the thing, but to the perception of the thing. And this is deluded. Deluded. We make things attractive. Therefore you run after them. And you get them. And suddenly, so what? Because once you've got it, you don't want it. When you don't want it, the glow fades out. And it's just a thing. It happens all the time. So we get another one. Sometimes when I meditate, I feel like my body is expanding and growing bigger and bigger. Should I just ignore these kinds of perceptions? It depends. It's um, it's not the body that you need to concern yourself with. It do whatever. It could turn into a cloud and um, you know be oceanic. Who um, doesn't matter really? Um, if, it, if it knows what it's doing, that's what it wants to be. Why do you you know why stay within this particular human form? It's not that great. <laughs> um, but it's the mental state. If the mental state is feeling unbalanced, unstable, shaky, overexcited, and driven, uh, dysfunctional, weird. You need to, whoa, maybe the body's giving you a sign that something's pushing too hard, you're getting too intense. So let's just cool down. If you need to re- return to the human body, you know, feet, walk, you know. If, it's, if it feels easeful, like your body's coming out of constrictions, maybe that's a good thing. So it's the mental state that's the most important. So a similar question, body cells are asking for more oxygen. Uh, what do you mean, more breathing? Could be that something's restricted in your, in your throat. I don't think the body knows the word oxygen. It maybe wants some freshness. Uh, perhaps one should stand and walk. How would one direct energies to parts of the body, particularly the peripherals, hands, palms or the feet? Standing meditation is beginning to have some effects. What could be done to develop this further? Mm. Well, your energy will go where your attention goes. It doesn't necessarily jump there. But if you say, okay, where's my left hand? How does that feel? Right, really important, just the left hand. You know, forget the right hand altogether, just the left hand as if you're about to pick something up. So your attention really goes into the left hand and then left hand starts to feel a lot more sensitive because you're receiving it. Where attention goes, that's where your chitta goes. So you land on that place and Jitta begins to absorb more and more of that particular feature that its attention has landed on. So then the, then the energy gathers there. And the mental energy gathers there. Bodily energy follows it. The two go together. right? So at this level, body and mind, body and Jitta are not really separate. They're pretty much partners and work together. So where you place your attention on your body, first of all, your mental energy goes there, and as it sits there, your body energy gathers there. So that part of your body comes quite bright and uh, enhanced. Now you can do that with your feet, soles of the feet, because there are also areas of your body that are pretty sensitive, so they're quite 
you know, you do something like your back, it's much more difficult because it's not really so sensitive. But you can back, and then you've got to forget the front, which is good. The front is often overactive because this is where all the impact happens. So just taking yourself out of the firing line and going down your back into the floor. See so if you really imagine water or warm water that is or oil running down the that groove in your spine over your shoulder blades and down your back. So you can you can use images to get the mind to go there. And uh, and the beauty of it is well you get your energy moves then it doesn't go into the other stuff that you don't want to go into namely mental states so another question here is it useful to stay at the awareness mind and notice its presence while noting the absence of a sense of i which is often felt as dominant yeah, it is useful. Um, very useful, important. It helps everything to reset itself. So characteristic average person, or the untrained, will take the sense of I as being the central feature. And the sense of I is talkative and... Uh, it keeps assessing everything and liking this and not liking that and planning that and imagining that and regretting that. So it's a pretty busy sense because it's not actually a stable thing at all. Sense of I is just the meeting point of various programs of organisation, comparison, wish fulfilment, aversion and so on. It's, it's a strategy series of strategies that become so predominant they're running all the time because it's running all the time think, well that must be me because it's here all the time <laughs> so everything your everything <laughs> your perspectives on life all operate around that basis because that's become the basis um, and so then one's world one's life starts to form in terms of you know what i want desirable undesirable something has to be done which is very very significant feature of I something has to be done here something has to be changed something has to be owned something has to be rejected and so it's very busy if you go to awareness awareness doesn't want to do anything um, by itself so they just they can relax uh, it doesn't have an opinion it doesn't talk it's quiet and it uh, doesn't have any boundaries. It's not contained in space or time. It doesn't have to think about the future because it doesn't have a future. It doesn't operate in time. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, body, body experiences can come and go, but it doesn't, doesn't need to feel good. Whereas I am, always wants to feel good. It doesn't like it, <laughs> feeling bad. But with awareness, bad feeling is bad feeling. It's part of what happens. And so this helps to reset the sankharas, the, the activations, the, which can be very agitated in the I am experiences. And the sankharas or the activations that connect to the stable center 
uh, generally in line with discernment, clarity, uh, goodwill, um, you know, and truthfulness, mm. wisdom. How to help myself to be more confident, how to express my views in front of a lot of people, feeling self-conscious, fear of making mistakes and being judged. Mm. Um, I think you would be advised to work upon your uh, default impressions of other people. As I was saying earlier to the person asking about racist, that's an obvious example of like uh, not feeling welcome or, or comfortable with other people and I imagine all of us have that to some degree or another because other people can certainly give you a bad time criticize and judge uh, so but that's remember that's theirs um, and uh, the thing is, is you only have to have uh, you know 50 people and one person complains about you 49 people don't it's the one who does complain about you that you feel affected by not the 49 who don't <laughs> so we're very sensitive like that but when you recognize it if you've got 50 people the chances that every one of those people is going to be exactly comfortable with what you say it's not that likely likelihood is somebody won't like it but you can't have your life lived from the perspective of other people because it's yours Right? Now, at the same time, you don't want to just say, I don't care about other people. But um, it's other people's opinions are worth, maybe worth listening to, but I don't have to necessarily believe in them. I want to find out if I speak my truth the way I can, that's what I can do. I can't speak it the way you want me to speak it because it's my voice my my thought i can't do that um, but i can speak it the way i can i can ask you for some help i'll ask you it's going to be a question or something i'll try and do the best i can so this is the way you work you realize that any action including speaking is guesswork you know in other words you never know you're really going to get it right and chances are it won't be right for everybody that's the way it is um, get used to it um, but focus on your intention calm instead of your body center yourself in what you feel is truthful and right give much more attention to that at the same time your awareness of other people should be that which is I want to I have concern for their welfare, may what I say be of use to them. Benefit, clear, uh, understandable, uh, comprehensible. So your attitude towards other people is kindly, but not necessarily identifying with their views and opinions, or what you imagine they think you are. A lot of it is imagination. We just have a certain paranoid um, default. Operating through fear is, you can't do that. You can't, you can only operate. And the thing about fear is, fear is always about something that might happen. And anything might happen. 
You know, madman might come in here and cut my head off with an axe. Possible. But I can't live with that. I'm going to say, well, right now, it's okay. and Keep the heart. Remember, the heart doesn't dwell in space or time. Body. So live in your heart and speak from that. And speak clearly with a mind of goodwill. Okay, so last one. So someone in Australia. Oh, wonderful. I have felt affected since I was young by the shadow of my dad's trauma, all my siblings as well. It's like my chitta is haunted. Yeah, we do, um, naturally as, as little ones, we do absorb um, things from our parents. A little one uh, is barely separate. You know, physically they get separated from the mother at birth, but on heart level they're not separated uh, barely at all in the first few months. And uh, I don't think in our lives we're ever completely separated on that emotional, psychological level. We are in fact an, an, out, an outgrowth <laughs> from our parents' karma. But of course, we're not just that. As life goes on, we, we may have things from them. We also pick it up from other people. We also pick it up from our own actions. Uh, so we're, we, we are, we're a development. And at some root, there's also those traces of parental experience. Or, um, and if you feel your jitter is haunted, that's the word you use, then I would say that's true. Share merit. It means uh, if your jitter is haunted, the ghost... It may not appear as a ghost, but you're using that term. And it's good to use this imaginative term. Say, what does it feel like? It feels like something's always behind me. I can't quite reach it shadowy, but it's, you know. Then um, bring up goodwill and extend the goodwill to the to that shadow, to that whatever that is. Extend mind of goodwill. This is a really important practice um, to to uh, cultivate because the material world we tend to think there are no such things as ghosts and um, you know what does that mean well it could mean a number of things but we certainly all have, have haunted experience things in, in our chittas in our hearts that are haunting us dogging us running after us chasing us so it's just a way of talking and then okay just it really need to experience uh, love goodwill blessing yeah. uh, I was talking to one of the monks some time ago and he said he was you know he was in some place and he sort of middle of the night and he woke up and he could see all these strange grey swirling shapes moving around so he just okay I'll just may you be well maybe I am peace you know I mean no harm I mean no harm may you be well may you be well 
it's for you, whatever good I've done, maybe, you know, this is quite common in monastic practice, particularly in the forests and the jungles, you just send out a lot of goodwill, say, look, here I am, I mean no harm, uh, I come in peace, I respect you, goodwill, and creatures seem to to like that and leave and don't harm you. So he was doing this, and he said he was doing this, the grey shapes, and his little, little, little form arose, a little girl came out of this grey shape, a ghost girl, and came up and kissed him on the cheek and said, thank you, and disappeared. <laughs> so, you know, you may meet your dad in there. Uh, and so just say thank you dad for giving me birth uh, you know and really if your dad had trauma i'm so sorry for that you know and uh, you know you gave me birth gave me life and really wish you well that, that's that's the way to do it i would suggest okay time to come to the end of this session Hope it's been useful, so thank you.